street epistemology is a wonderful approach that anyone can learn. You can learn more about street epistemology at streetepistemology.com. Welcome, everybody. Uh, tonight, the beautiful Linda Molko isn't joining us. Unfortunately, she's feeling a bit under the weather. So you're stuck with me and Ty. It's a bit of a sausage fest. Bro Patrol! But uh, we, we, we hope to bring a bit of class in, you know, now we don't have to worry about the Europeans. So, uh, yeah, Ty, I think it's time to How are you, Ty? I'm doing really well. Linda, we hope you feel better. We're still thinking about you. And uh, I guess what we'll be talking about today is one of the videos that I uh, got to do while I was heading over to the ARC protest up in oh, northern it's Kentucky. Really cool. Did you I hear would about love that? to join them. Not the protest necessarily, but just to, to see the vibe there. How did you find it? Was it like very antagonistic between the, the atheist and the, the theist crowd? No, I wouldn't say it was antagonistic. It was more of like uh, just a lot of people hanging around each other, afraid to like really have intercommunication with each other. And so we set up uh, with the intent to help to facilitate communication between the two different groups. But it was a little challenging because I never really did SE as an outspoken atheist to, you know, outspoken Christians or even other outspoken atheists. So cool. it was weird sitting my it's, cards on it's the something table. which... Um, I've also found very difficult. As soon as somebody knows your position, it's they'll me immediately come in with not a bias necessarily, but some kind of expectation about how this is going to pan out. And um, I've only had one or two chats like that where I had to kind of disclose that I'm an atheist ahead of time. Not that it bothers me, but you know, I typically like to ask people, can I can I give you my opinion after the interview because I don't want to change your answers or something like that? And it's not because I want to be deceptive. It's it's just um, I want to create a, a atmosphere where somebody can feel really comfortable sharing their ideas without having this expectation of this is what I want them to say or, or something like that. And uh, the the one girl I spoke to, she really pressed me to understand why am I doing this? What what do I believe believe? And I I, I share that with her. And it really put the entire interview in such a different light. It was really like day and night. <laughs> and uh, it's not that it's a bad thing, but I really think it would have been, it's much more conducive to, to helping people think about what they believe, dig into it. If, if you can get that neutral vibe going rather than them having this expectation that now I need to defend my faith or now there's a Christian who's trying to convert me, which I've also had. Uh, so I need to kind of be careful about what I say. I don't want to offend them. I, I mean, I hear you, but I also think it's useful to be able to show that the, the method works even when you're talking to someone and they know where you're coming from on a particular issue. Um, we do have the advantage where we normally have these neutral conversations, but out in the real world, other people are watching us do SE. They can't necessarily guarantee that they'll always talk to complete strangers. They might be talking to friends or family. It's true. And a, a very cool thing about that as well is, uh, you know, you, have, you and I, we're, we're kind of the, the minority when it comes to, to the way we do AC. We go out, we speak to strangers who don't know us. Most people are typically going to want to use this with friends, colleagues, family members, where you don't get that advantage of, of being a blank slate where 
no, that person doesn't know where you're coming from. So in that sense, it might also be very good if we share these examples where we don't have that advantage so that people can see, okay, this is, is kind of the pitfalls you need to watch out for. This is, these are the mistakes we made. Maybe somebody can learn from that. I agree. So how about we get into an actual example? Cool. Cool. Let's start the video. What reliable tests do you have to prove that there is a God? And I don't think that's a question you asked. Do you think you had a, a misperception? What did, what did you think when he asked you that? Could you repeat that question one more time? So, so he said he wants to ask you what you were asking other people. And what he said is, you ask other people, what reliable test do you have to prove that there is a God? And then he said, what reliable test do you have to prove that there isn't a God? Right. So, uh, yeah. So what he, what he saw me do was ask a question to a number of his Christian friends based on the claims that you're providing me. What reliable evidence do you have? To, to demonstrate that they are true. And whenever mm. I asked those kinds of questions, it kind of baffled the people that I was talking to because they've probably never been asked something like that before. So ultimately, um, 
what I what when he came down to speak to me, um, he asked me he was he was preparing to ask me the exact same question that I had asked everyone else if I claimed that I knew that there was no God. And when okay. he realized that my position wasn't that uh, I know that God doesn't exist, but rather I just don't know that God exists. And because I don't know, I'm open to believing, but I don't have a reason to believe yet. Therefore, I don't believe. It's a bit of a nuance and kind of long-winded position, but it's an accurate position for what I'm representing. Uh, he mm. said, well, that kind of defeats what I was trying to ask you before. Maybe I should rephrase my question because what I was intending to ask you is what evidence do you have to prove that there is no God? And I like that only in the sense of uh, I don't have a Gnostic position. I have an agnostic position. That means that I don't claim to know that a God doesn't exist. My position is I don't know if a God exists, and that's the reason why I don't believe. And so you, because of that, I don't take on a burden of proof when someone presents me with that question because my thing is I don't know. Why are you so confident? And it, I can be really confident in the fact that I don't know something. Like we can reliably test that, but it's not. But that person who's making the claim that a God doesn't exist or a supernatural deity exists has a much bigger burden of proof, and it always shifts the questioning back to them. And I feel like mm. if you're in a reasonable discussion with someone, with one person making a supernatural claim, don't confront that with a supernatural claim yourself. As I think, as atheists, we should be more comfortable with the fact of, by saying. We don't know and take more of an agnostic atheist position rather than a gnostic atheist position and for for situations like this i think it, it demonstrates that it's actually not only advantageous but it's actually a more honest position in the long run to say you don't know when you don't have enough evidence and that when someone presents you hey how do you know that there is no god just automatically just say hey i don't that's not my position i actually don't know if a god exists or not i heard you do why don't you tell me why you think it's true and it's just an easy way to continue the conversation that way. Yeah. It's, and it's not only a, a lot of theists watching this might say, wow, you guys just don't want to stand up for you what you believe. You, you're looking for a way to kind of cop out. <laughs> you you don't want to stuff. own this. Yeah. And it's, it's, not, it's not really about that. Um, I think most people, if they say that, are, are very honest about it. It's, it's really, and it's kind of part of our culture to, look down on people when they say, I don't know, sure. we, we've got this obsession with, with being confident and certain. So I've, I like to take people at face value and I really appreciate when people say they don't know something. It also models a, a level of intellectual honesty, which I think is, is a very good thing to be open to, not necessarily wanting to be certain, wanting to have that 100%, this is how I see it, this is how it is. So yeah, I think that's that's a very good thing to do. Um, so here's where we start to get into the part where I'm listening to his arguments, but instead of taking like an SE approach, I take an SE light approach and then start mm. to like take some risks in the argument or in the uh, discussion. And I'd like to get your feedback on uh, whether you think the approach is fair or effective. So I'm going to share the screen cool. again, and I am going to select. You ready? Ready. And work together with them on a model to like get me to where they see it Correct. and see if we can reliably get it. And, and I guess, That's my and, and I'm with James, you know, as far as there is not one thing, you know, we can look at a lot of things individually. Okay. And they, like I believe with James, creation proves there's a creator. Then you look at the symbiotic relationships within creation and, and the precise mathematics of the, you know, cosmos, how we can perfectly 
how we can perfectly you know, predict you know, where the planets and stuff are going to be. When you look at all those things together, along with the archaeological evidence, the historical evidence, the prophetic evidence of the Bible, when you put all those things together, that leads me to believe that it is the God of the Bible. I can see how you say that. So does, does that make sense? So you, you, what I was, I, I've seen you out here, you know, what's your one evidence? What's your one evidence? My only question would be, um, I agree that creation necessarily requires a creator. My question is, how do you recognize something as a creation rather than something that just is? Or something that's not a creation? You know, and I, the analogy I like to use is, you know, basically... He thinks about that for a while. <laughs> There's a good period where he's just thinking about this for a while. Um, but I like <laughs> the pause that he does here, because I feel like no one's really asked him that. And Yeah. Maybe one thing I would correct with my body language is I tend to like pull back when I'm ready for the other person to talk and then lean forward to put something on the table, like like an arm or something, mm. when it's like my turn to talk and I'm still leaving my arm out. I know that's like high level body language things that I tend to pick apart, but I would be something that I would correct. Like if the other person's talking, I'm willing I should be leaning back because if they get on a roll, the fastest way to keep them from out of the preach mode or to keep them from continuing to keep talking or like getting us both talking at the same time, is to just lean forward, and by just doing that, they'll be like, oh, he wants to talk now, I'll be quiet. Like, yeah. Anyway. Um, Something which I think would have worked very well right there is uh, before you kind of jumped into, okay, but but why do you see this as convincing, or why does it necessitate creation? Maybe just to have, have reflected back to him, uh, to kind of start modeling to him, listen, we're not going into a debate here. Mm. I'm interested in understanding your point. I'm open to hear you out. Uh, but I, we should kind of pull back and really listen to each other rather than just dropping those facts left and right. Right. That's good. That's good. I like that. Um, I think it's always important to not redline the digging, like when you're mm. trying to get to the foundation. But, like, take that moment to be like, okay, so I just asked – I. We're getting down, but we have time. So as long as yeah. I'm not rushing, he won't rush to think because by him thinking slowly over stuff, that's a benefit because mm -hmm. a lot of people don't apply slowly. No, I, I really like the question because it's a nice open-ended question. It, it engages that slow think. It doesn't right. get him to shoot yeah. out his response immediately. Mm -hmm. um, what made you pick? Because he, he mentioned a bunch of things. You, you were shooting of evidence all over the place. What made you pick the creation claim to focus on? I think it was because the last two people that I spoke to both said that they couldn't believe in God unless if they had believed on a worldview that everything was created. And I think okay. I maybe this is a good point that you brought up. Just because I talked to two Christians and I found out what their foundation was doesn't mean that the third Christian that I'll talk to will have the same foundation. And I should be open to the idea that they may all think differently or have very specific reasons about why they believe. Um, yeah. I never I never checked to see if this is the foundation for Shannon. I just assumed that it was. And we stuck with this argument. And if I spent more time talking to him about why this reasoning they gave me was important to him, we would have been able to find out, find out that. Mm. And I think it's a good point because I see a lot of videos where people start to engage in counter-apologetics on a topic without understanding if, whether or not that was the actual foundation of their belief. And I think I only the, got the problem that I kind of see with counter apologetics, and I like it, and I think it's fun. It's nice to have these exchanges where you talk about is this logical? Does this follow? It's really cool if you're into logic and philosophy and all that. 
But um, think of any part of the Bible, think of any counter-apologetic claim that you might have, and you've got apologists writing pages and sure. pages of apologetics, yeah. explaining to a believer why they should ignore this, or why it <laughs> makes sense, or, or why it's fine, you don't have to worry about this. So, and that's that's the cool thing about AC. You're not picking apart of this one little chink, not even a chink, it's this one little piece of their armor, you're, you're really trying to pull a thread which can help the whole thing start to kind of unravel and open them up to uh, to look more critically at what they believe. Mm. I got a weird controversial point, but maybe it'll make more sense after the full video is done. But I'm going cool. gonna to make a note of what you just said. Continuing the video? Cool? Something that just or something that's not a creation. You know, the analogy I like to use is, you know, basically, my opinion, all life forms are creation. Are you saying, like, all pieces of dirt, the sky, all life forms are creations? Well, I like, like, the animals, people, they're creation, but then planets, God created all that also, so it's all creation. It's all creation. Yeah, it is all creation. Empty space, vacuum, yeah, everything. God, God is responsible for it all. So my question would be, like, how do you recognize a creation? Like, what's the method that you're using to recognize something as a creation? I guess my answer would be the same. So yes, just the fact that it is here, the design behind it. That would be proof that it exists, which is kind of the proof I had with James. Well, it is, what it I'm is looking kind for of, is proof of its creation. It is kind of, you know, it's, it's kind of the argument of prove to me that a painting had a painting. Right, right, right. Because the term painter or painted, painting necessarily implies that it was painted, which would require a painting. Correct. Totally fine. But when I look at, say, like, uh, I don't know, like a rock, and we say, this rock is a creation, what are we doing in our heads to determine if that is a creation? Uh, I don't have an I know what you're asking, I just don't have a suitable answer. Can I give you what I think? Sure, please do. Please correct me on this if I'm, like, wrong. Good, James. <laughs> yeah, because I like to get yeah. feedback on this, and let me know how appealing it is to you. We tend to recognize creations by comparing the things that are not or designed by things that are not designed. If I went to a distant planet, it's a hypothetical. I know it's a real <laughs> but if I went to a distant planet and we went there and there's this weird rock formation that looked like a perfect cylinder straight up, I wouldn't know based on its surroundings if that was a creation by an alien species or not because I don't have a frame of reference of what looks like it's been designed on that planet. But in America, I can look at this temple and say, well, I know what temples are. I know the store I can buy those from. I know they're created by things. Um, I can look at a tree that's artificially, you know, bushes or like in the shape of a dog and be like, that's clearly not something that I would see in nature. I'm comparing this, something that I know is designed to something that I know is not designed. Like I have a frame of reference there. And because I have that criteria, I'm able to recognize when I'm wrong. I'm able to verify when I'm right. I can test it. I can have other people verify and get to the same conclusions as me. It seems like it's a reliable way to determine if something's created. If we live in the model where literally everything's created, what are we comparing against that to determine that that's actual creation? And if not, with everything is created, we may not have that thing that's not created to compare it to. And if that's the case, how are we justified at saying that everything's a creation if we can't recognize if something's been created? I don't have, I know what you're asking. I just don't have an answer. Could you please think about it, that? Except, you know that. You other, have one of my cards. Yes, I got one of your cards. If you could 
if you if you literally could put some thought into that, I'd be happy. Feel free to jump in if you have an answer. I had enough of Frank. He had enough of me. So he tries to tag in a friend here. He still he stays at the table. He stays at the table for a little while, but like. Um, I think what happened here was I presented him a question that maybe he never really thought about. Like, hey, if you live in a world where you think everything's a creation, but you don't have a frame of reference, what something that's not a creation looks like, how can you have confidence if we tend to recognize things by comparing them to things that are not those things? Did that, did that make sense? Like that. Yeah, I think you put the argument so eloquently. It was really nice and clear, and you could see he was taking in every word, which is great. Okay. Do you feel like there would have been a more optimal approach if I took a more classic approach of SE to get there? Because he gave me an I um, don't know very early on, and I didn't know what to do with that, aside from, hey, that's really cool. Would you like to predict my idea? Mm, um, I would have I would have liked to see you go more into, okay, cool, you've got this evidence, and you believe there's creation, but um, how does that get you to to your your belief and it's, it's kind of get back gets back to first understanding really what is his belief mm. because saying that this is creation and getting that to a deity who cares about you and right. sent the son to die for you whatever is, is a completely different matter and um typically i don't think that these these reasons people give like the evidences are what convinces them mm. and i don't You're mean that in like a that. degrading way I mean, nobody grows up and doesn't believe in Jesus, even though they're brought up in the Bible Belt, until they find these great arguments and evidences for God. Right. So, People I don't know. It's, like, I it's, think this could have benefited from digging a bit deeper to see, is this really why you believe? Right. I think if I spent more time finding out what his foundation actually was, it would have helped. All I did, I feel like, in this case was demonstrate a good basis for deconstructing the argument from creation and, mm. I think, and, I think and it's like it's it's really nice and the way that you you handled it he was listening to you look at him he's, he's literally smiling yeah, as he's talking to you I'm so this could have exploded and he was he was taking it in which already just shows the 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 way that you're modeling it the way that that you're talking to him um is really effective compared to your normal argument that you right. can jump into Right. So I think it's it, good. It's but it, um, getting it more into digging into that belief and understanding where he's coming from, rather than just trying to uh, take what he's putting on the table and, and making him look at, at it in a different light, which is good. Absolutely, might have been a bit more beneficial. And I think the most salient point that I'm taking away from this is that I might talk to another Christian immediately after this, who gives me the exact same argument. But if all I'm doing is dismissing the arguments, I'm not really getting to the core of what convinced them. So mm. if I just spent like about a minute or so just making sure that is this really the fundamental reason that you do believe in God? As it was for the last two guys. And I, no comments on them. They were both respectful, they were both respectful people in, in person. <laughs> but uh, uh, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't assume the next Christian that I talk to who uses this argument by dismissing that, yeah. I'm actually going to get to the core crux of what they believe. Because honestly, to be honest with you, I don't know what his actual foundation is. I just know that he gave me this argument and that he thought it was important mm. to him. And after we dismissed it, he might find another four to to replace that. And and what good are we doing? Oh, I was waiting for the 
junk milkshake analogy to come out. <laughs> There's a point where it could come out. I didn't throw it out yet, but uh, we're only two minutes away from the end of the video. How about we just wrap this one up? Uh, one thing I, I wanted to mention, did you ever watch um, Pine Creek Doug, the, yes. the session he had with Jonathan McClatchy, the no, apologist? No, no, I have not. It was, it was pretty interesting. So Jonathan wanted to, to engage with a street epistemologist to show believers how you get around street epistemology. And they had a long chat, uh, dug, dug into his belief, asked the questions to see, okay, how can we see it's reliable? But after almost an hour, they didn't really get to the core of, of the belief. Mm. After, after they went through the AC session and they just started chatting about it, eventually... Jonathan said, Doug, you will not. He's basically a Calvinist. You cannot believe in Jesus until God sends the Holy Spirit to reveal himself to you. And I mean, that is a very, very interesting claim to dig into. Yeah. So it's, it's, also, it's it especially with people who are kind of primed going into a conversation like this, they're preparing a suit of armor. And if, if we... Let that if that distracts you and you don't try and get past that to see okay why do you really believe this? Uh, it's going to slow down the conversation to a point where you you will never get to that point. Right. Um, I also feel I'm going to throw out one thing. This isn't really an excuse, but my goal with my approach is primarily to have a positive conversation with someone mm. because when they walk away they're going to replay the conversation that we had in their minds over and over again. Yeah. And if I was antagonistic to them, if I was a jerk to them, it'll be really easy to dismiss the counterclaims that I gave them because they'll picture in their mind someone they don't even really respect talking to them. And it'll be easy to say, well, that guy was a jerk. I'm still going to believe in the argument from creation. I feel like, um, and I don't know this for, for true, I don't know if this would be the case always, but I think the next time Shannon is ever presented with the argument from creation even if it's not the main reason why he believes, it's at least now slightly less important to him, only by virtue of the fact that he can think of this conversation that we've had, if he does, and this, I'm completely hypothetical here, but he can think back on this Absolutely. conversation and be like, you know what, I really don't have a frame of reference for that. That may not be the reason why I believe in a God. I actually believe in God because of the Bible, or because of prophetic truths, or because of archaeological evidence, but not the argument from creation. We'll just dismiss that. But it's one yeah. argument less in his basket of arguments that he's using to support an unreasonable belief. And if anything, that's a small, it's a small improvement. And um, if I had, if I didn't do like around 30 interviews that this day, I probably would have <laughs> been more patient with them. But uh, yeah, in this, in this case, like we're surrounded by the table by like about nine or, or seven to nine people on both sides. And then people were walking in behind us. And it's just, why do you believe in a God? This. Okay, well, that's not true, right? <laughs> oh, you're right. I'll talk to you later. Oh, you got me. And then we'll get up. And then, like, the next person will sit down. And they'll do the same thing over and over again. It was really tiring. Um, well, but... <laughs> considering the, the, the circumstances, this, this might have actually been a better approach to take because uh, you might have helped a lot of, of at least given people who have the same point of view as he does reason for looking at it in a slightly different light mm -hmm. which might have been more beneficial than potentially digging deep into his personal reasons for believing which might be completely different to to their reason for believing but i, I have to give you kudos dude i mean i've there's nobody else out there 
who can make their aisles feel as comfortable as you do. Oh no, that's yeah. big talking from you. I listen. No, I was, no, no, seriously. Hey, no I more. Mean, hey, hey, this is the league. We don't compliment left and right. Come on, come on. Come I need to give one. No, that's that's. that's I really, I really feel that way. I'm, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I mean, all of these videos, I watch them, and you just, you can't help but end with a smile. It's, it's just amazing. Cool. I, I appreciate it. Let's go. Let's knock out these last two minutes, and then we'll do a final summary. Cool. Awesome. Cool. Oh, I just want to make a point right here. What he's about to do is shift the burden of proof. He's going to make an argument mm -hmm. by saying, well, I may not be able to prove everything's a creation, but you can't prove that it's not a creation. Like, that's the gist of his argument. It takes a while for me to understand what he's saying, but I catch on to it and rapidly correct that. But I think... One thing which which I really like that you did just before this is you, you try to have an open-ended uh, into the discussion. Right. You don't wasn't a drop the mic type of situation. It's like, please go and think about this. <laughs> he wasn't having any of it, but I, th I think the idea was very really good. Cool. So I'll just... I had enough of Frank. He's had enough of me. <laughs> I, I, know what you're, I know what you're asking. I just don't have the words to put it into an answer. If other, you want to take some time with that and get back than, to me, I would be happy to get back to you. Other than, you know, I don't say I can argue that this is not a creation. Yeah, I would need an example. If you showed me an example of something that was not a creation, then I'd be like, okay, now at least now you have a frame of reference. That's what I'm saying is we don't have anything that is not a creation. And because of that, how do you confirm that something is a creation? That's how do you how do you confirm that it isn't? So like, it's not so much proving the negative because I can't prove something not true. Like I can't prove the negative of something. What I'm looking for is reasons to believe that it is true. And if you're saying something is a creation, I'm waiting for evidence to demonstrate that. You're not right by default until you can demonstrate it to be the case. But if you have a... Frank! Well, I don't understand. You gotta sit down on the table if you want to have <laughs> Shannon, do you have one of my cards? Yes, I do. I would love to get back with you if you want to take some time and think about that. Oh, I, I know what you're asking, I just can't. Frank will give you a better answer. That's why I just have to... Frank, part two! <laughs> Frank, listen, listen. You're an excited guy, and I don't want to talk to you, but I'm not going to talk to you if you have your sunglasses on. Uh-oh. Just straight up. I'm I got tired of you, like, moving your head. I know. Listen. <laughs> This is the brilliancy of my idea right here. It's just the best thing ever. I'm just like, I don't know what, what's going on. I do have, I do have something I want to give you. Ooh, book. very interesting. Thank I did, you so much. I somebody that didn't, it's not matter what the books. Uh, when I beat away the second greatest lie ever told, that's my business card. Thank you very much. So, thank you. I appreciate this. Thank you. Thank you. Just one quick thing, okay? If I have a blank canvas here, and blank canvas, blank canvas, okay, there's no painting on it. There's no painting on it. Then I have another one right beside it. Yes. It has a picture of painting on it. Yes. So now you see that this painting. So you see, Frank is giving me the exact same argument from creation. I'm sorry. I should I should calm down. Yeah. But like, one person <laughs> will walk away with the he. So I already just had the argument of creation uh, discussion with him. Then Shannon came up. And that was already the second time I had that argument of creation argument. And so Shannon comes up mm. with the exact same argument for creation. He couldn't answer it. He gets up. Then Frank comes back down. This is the fourth time I've talked about the argument of creation with somebody already. <sighs> and he's like, so imagine I had a painting, and, and one had a painting on it, and the other one was a blank canvas. And then I asked him, I'll ask, well, this video will be released later, but I asked him, so like, in your opinion, is empty space also created by God? He says yes. And I'm like, then that empty canvas is also an example of something that's been created. So I don't know if the example that you're presenting to me is actually what you're trying to demonstrate. Mm. It was like this whole thing all over again. But 
I'm Ruben, interesting to ask him if, if he's got an example of a blank canvas. Yes, that's exactly In... what I asked him. Ben, you're on it. Anyway, though. Nice. Uh, that video will come out later on. But for the most part, everyone's been <laughs> I really should respectful. Spoil it. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> everyone's pretty respectful, and uh, I think it was cool to show that these conversations that you can have are possible if they know you're an atheist and you know they're a Christian, like going into the, the conversation. Um, but I do think it's worthwhile to spend some time investigating why they believe what they believe and see if that is actually the crux of their argument. Hey, buddy, who wants to be petted so bad? All right, so let me um, do one quick thing. Uh, mm -hmm. Okay, Ben, we're wrapping up now. How do you feel? Or what other finer points would you uh, say? Um, so where he, he kind of threw the burden of proof back to you. It would have been interesting if instead of saying, but, but you can't prove a negative, well, well, asking him a question sorry. Sorry, well, to well, say, okay? okay? So it, it would have been interesting where he kind of threw the burden of proof back to you to say, are, are you saying there's evidence that it's not created? And you said, okay, but you can't prove a negative. To ask a question to say, uh, is that the only option that, that there is? Maybe get him to that point where he can realize, so maybe it's not just, oh, it was created or wasn't created, I don't know, is also an option. So it's more that the read technique, just asking questions, asking questions, but it's, I think it might've added that bit more effectiveness to it if he kind of thought about it and came up with that answer on his own rather than just you giving it to him. Right, I agree. I think um, it's always worthwhile to spend that time and never assume from the previous conversations you had that you can't get through to the person that you were talking to if it's a brand new person, even if they're using the same arguments. You got to treat yeah. the person as a unique opportunity to get to someone's foundation. And that takes a lot of patience and a lot of energy, but it's worthwhile if you really put your effort in. The, the one thing is, as well, uh, what I've found, there's situations where it's much harder to, to do your normal thing in terms of ACE. Um, for me, it's, it's with older people, I really struggle because in, in the Afrikaans culture, you're, teach, you're taught to be so respectful of, of elders that it's difficult to ask them these questions and it's difficult to do anything which you think might put them in a kind of uncomfortable position. So kudos again for uh, putting yourself in that position of everybody standing around you. You said, you mentioned something about uh, the group of Christians there what, being worried that they look at these atheists, they're taking this young man and corrupting him. Yeah, um, for, I, I had my um, recorder started way earlier before I had my video started and I need to return some duct tape. So I turn off both my cameras, but my mic's still on and I walk away from the table while uh, the, the Christian crowd was like around there just so I can drop off the duct tape. And when I came back, I finished the interviews, but when I came home and was actually editing the videos, I got to hear like what they were talking about. I did not intend to record them. It was just a really interesting thing and I've not shared that audio around just out of respect. But like when I was listening to it, I was, I, I was hearing them being like, man, look at all these atheists talking to this young man. Yeah, he sounds pretty cool. I don't know what's wrong with all, I, they're gonna corrupt him. That's what the problem is. They're just gonna <laughs> screw him up. I know, why can't they all? <laughs> he's like, is he really this? I don't know. Maybe he does believe in God. I don't know. He's too nice. Checking all these other guys. So, yeah, it was really, really cool. I was like, 
I think everyone's coming from a good place, and it's just you gotta like have that kind of faith in people. If they're willing to sit down and talk mm. to you, they must not think you're an evil asshole or, or a jerk, and you gotta take that. You gotta treat them the same way too. So again, yeah. regardless of how many times you hear that same argument, you gotta be willing to at least talk to the person that's in front of you, and I think that's important. And also, if they're giving you a bunch of arguments that are classical, confirm whether or not that's the crux of their belief. Because if it's not, they'll be able to find alternative arguments that can just replace mm. it. I think those are two really, really salient points. Ben, how do you feel about wrapping up? Ah, I'm good. And uh, sounds like your cat's looking for your attention. So you better move our asses. <laughs> okay, so uh, we will uh, close. Uh, thank you again for watching the study group between me and Ben. Ben, you got you, it's your show. You want to close... The, uh, session out and I'll play out the music yeah um, thank you so much for sharing this video time it's it's really awesome um, I think at the very least it gives us such a good example of how to have a positive interaction even where you are having a, a discussion or a debate with a Christian which I think is great so yeah and uh, thanks for giving me this opportunity to come join you and, and chat about it it's, it's really good for me cool Helps me learn as well. I know I can always rely on you for uh, good critical feedback. And I think that is the crux of the league and how we can really depend on each other. To be able to always be there to say things more than just a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Or yeah. a retweet. And I really appreciate the meaningful feedback. So, back to the study group. Shh. Next time. I like that. That's cool. Street Epistemology is a technique by Dr. Peter Bogosian in his book, A Manual for Creating Atheists, and his Android and iOS app, Atheos.